Amen. You can have a seat. Thanks for being here. Tell the person on your right and left, I'm glad you're here today. And open your Bible to Mark chapter 6. It says in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. You remember from last week, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples uh, to preach the good news, proclaim the kingdom, to cast out unclean spirits and to heal the sick. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when they went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Now, everyone understands all around the world that miracles have been attributed to Jesus. It doesn't matter what faith you would consider yourself today, whether you are agnostic, atheist, Hindu, a spiritualist, Muslim, it doesn't matter. You understand that followers of Jesus attribute these miracles to him. Now, the difference of those of us today who are followers of Jesus, we don't just attribute these miracles to him. We believe that he actually did them. But if you came to us and said, why did Jesus do those miracles? We might have a little hard, harder time answering that question. But Mark told us why Jesus did this miracle. I don't know if you caught it or not, but it was very important Miracle. The feeding of the 5,000 is very important. In fact, in your listening guide, if you pull it out, the miracle of the fish and the loaves is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. Of all the miracles Jesus did, this is the only one that appears in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Verse 34 tells us why Jesus did this miracle. And when he, saw, he, he, and when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. The title of the message today, Jesus, our compassionate shepherd. A few things I would love for you to write down before we leave this morning. Number one, he is our shepherd because he restores us with rest. Verse 30, 
The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So the disciples have just returned from this moment of ministry. They've been traveling around village to village, town to town. And Jesus invites them to rest. But the crowd finds them. The crowd is being rude, inconsiderate. The truth is the disciples themselves had done this to Jesus. In Mark chapter one, Jesus was worn out by the 12 and by the others. And so he wanted to get away to a desolate place. And he actually found a desolate place, but his 12 disciples found him and pulled him back into the town's in villages. This is happening now to the disciples and Jesus wants to take them to a desolate place, it says, away from the towns and villages. Why? Because people are the best and worst parts of everything. You could go to Disney World today. It's supposed to be the happiest place on earth. You could get on a plane all by yourself and you could go and you would have a good time. You'd be a little bit weird when people say, who are you here with? And you would just say, me. Uh, but you would have a good time riding the roller coasters, seeing the sights, getting selfies with Mickey and Minnie. But if you took your family or you took your friends, you would have a better time or a worse time. It's one or the other because people are the best and the worst parts of everything. And Jesus wants to give us rest. The most famous shepherding passage in The whole scripture, you know by heart, even if you don't have it memorized, Psalm chapter 23, you remember what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is what the shepherd wants for us. He wants restored souls. That's why God commanded a day of rest for your body. A Sabbath day, a day when you didn't work. You shouldn't work seven days a week. One day should be dedicated to the purpose of rest for your body. Why? Because God wants you to have a restored soul. Most of us are young or many of us are young. Many of you are young. (laughs) So you could probably work seven days a week physically. You could pull it off. You have what it takes. But our souls are overworked. Some of us are not physically tired today, but we're spiritually tired. We're emotionally tired. We carry around a heaviness about us that we can't really put words to. We have overworked souls. We're anxious about what's coming up. We're stressed about these people that we are caught in the middle of, two people that we love, trying to referee a preferable outcome. Anxious about what's ahead, our jobs, friends, family, provision. Souls are overworked and God gave us a day of rest where we did not work so that we could remind us this doesn't all depend on us. That God is the provider. God is the sustainer. God is the one who holds all things together. And he takes us away to rest, not just for our bodies, but for our souls. But notice he says to rest a while. Not rest forever. It's not a life of leisure. It's rest for the purpose of working hard. So if you're someone who protects your rest, 
Make sure it's so that you can work hard in Jesus' name. Don't protect your rest so you can rest some more. Don't protect your rest so you can have more energy for your leisure. It's rest for a while. But he wants us with a restored soul and he shepherds us in that direction. Number two, he shepherds us when he leads us with his teaching. Verse 34, and when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. I think most of us have a romantic view of sheep. We're thinking of stuffed animals. Uh, We're thinking of sweet baby lambs. Uh, We want to carry them on our shoulders and walk through uh, fields of clover. Uh, But uh, there's nothing romantic about actual sheep because they're livestock and livestock are gross. I don't know if you grew up on a farm or you've been around, but farm animals, they're gross. They, They just are. In fact, one time, Amanda and I, we were thinking about a new home and a realtor was taking us uh, in a neighborhood. It was built in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it was one of those master plan communities. And so the paint color had to be just right and your grass had to be a certain height. You know, they really, really protected it. And, and so this was the kind of neighborhood we were looking at. We go into a home and it's a really nice home. And so we go to peek into the garage and we open the garage door just a little bit and, and just the smell came at you. But that happens with garages. They each have their own unique musty smell. But this was a, a little bit different. We opened it up and there are probably 50 chickens just in the garage in the middle of a suburban master plan community. Needless to say, we did not purchase that home because livestock are gross. It's not romantic. It's real. I found this news article online I brought it with me so you could read along. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine in Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. So the first 400 became a soft pillow for the next 1,000. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. The loss to the local farmers was estimated at $74,000. I read this week that when sheep are picking their leader among the sheep, which sheep they're going to follow, you know how they pick it? It's just whichever sheep moves first. (laughs) If one goes with confidence to the left, they just all go (laughs) with confidence to the left. And Jesus sees this crowd and he says they're sheep without a shepherd. You remember what Psalm 23 says in the next line? He leads me in paths of righteousness. See, in the Old Testament, the sheep and shepherd metaphor was used multiple times. When we picture the sheep shepherd metaphor in the scripture, I think we're always thinking of a, of a shepherd just petting a a sheep, it's it's little pet. But in the Old Testament, it's a much broader, more powerful picture of uh, of people who need shepherd and God provides a dynamic leader. This is used of Moses and Joshua and Jesus sees an aimless people on the shore of the Sea of Galilee that day. He sees a group that is, is striving and straining for meaning and purpose. And he steps forward as a leader. And how does he lead them? He leads them with his teaching. He has compassion on them And so he teaches them because compassion and conviction 
work together. We have redefined compassion as just a pat on the back. You tell me whatever you're thinking and feeling and what's going on with you. And if I'm a compassionate person, I will just listen and I will hug you. And maybe that is step one of compassion. But the way Jesus defined it is he has compassion and then he teaches them because he has conviction. There is a path that leads to righteousness and there is a path that leads to unrighteousness. And Jesus cares about you enough. He is compassionate towards you enough to teach you the right way. They needed instruction. In John's account of this story, the fish and the loaves. In fact, turn there with me, John chapter 6. Something interesting happens in the span of just 50 verses in that chapter. Mark chapter 6, the story of the fish and loaves starts in verse 1. And it gets to verse 15 after the miracle has been done. And it says, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So Jesus feeds all these people miraculously and the people are so overwhelmed. They're so in awe. They're so caught up in it that Jesus can tell they're gonna come and they're gonna force me to be king. Now remember, Rome ruled the world at that time and ruled Israel specifically and it would appoint its governors all over the place. So Israel had no formal king and they longed for that king that they had in the Old Testament. It was a real sore spot for them. And so a conspiracy began in that crowd of 5,000 plus people. Jesus should be our king. And Jesus sensed that. That's not what he was about. So he withdrew again to a desolate place. They wanna make him king. But at the end of chapter six and the beginning of chapter seven, this is what it says in verse one. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So John is writing his gospel. So at the beginning of one chapter, they want to make him king. And at the beginning of the other chapter, they want to kill him. And just a span of 50 verses, because this is what we are capable of as human beings. Extreme highs, extreme lows, extreme rights, extreme lefts, even in our following of Jesus. One day we could not be more committed. The next day we could not care less. One day this word could be our very life. And the next week we might not even know where it is. This is what we're capable of capable of wanting to make him king and we're capable of wanting nothing to do with him and that's why he needs to teach us he needs to instruct us he needs to show us the way why because most of us are being shepherded only by our internal urges and desires and wants and needs that's who shepherds most of us that little urge inside of me that gut feeling This is what I want to do. And this feels right is the anthem of those who shepherd themselves. We see this most often in the relationships that we choose, in the relationships that we leave, in the commitments that we make, in the commitments that we break. Just shepherding ourselves. But why? Why would we be willing to say no to ourselves And yes to Jesus being our shepherd. 
Because when we pass, when we shepherd ourselves, we will not lead ourselves to green pastures and still waters. You may look around right now and say, no way, I've shepherded myself right into this moment and I look around and all I see is green. It's just spray painted grass. There is no life there. How do I know that? Because the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. What you need eternally, you cannot shepherd yourself towards. So Jesus teaches us. The third thing I want you to write down before we leave today, he shepherds us by providing what we need. He provides what we need. Verse 35 of Mark 6. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, I have to confess that most of my life when I've read Psalm 23, those first few verses, I picture tranquility. Green pastures, still waters. It's like a spa for sheep. It's a nice Kenny G in the background setting the vibe. But that's not what green pastures and still waters are for sheep. It's what they need to survive. They need green grass. Brown grass in a dead season does not help them grow and survive. Green grass does. They need still water because they need to either stand at the edge of the river and drink, or they need to actually get into the water to drink it. This is what they need. This is what they need to survive. Now the disciples come and they tell Jesus, we've got to give some order to this chaos. You've got to send these people away because they're all out here in a desolate place and there's no way that they can eat. We don't have anything to eat. So you need to send them away so they have time to buy their dinner in whatever village is closest to us. And Jesus says to them, you solve the problem. You give them something to eat. So either they started doing math then or they had already done it and they came up with a number of 200 denarii. That's what it was gonna take to feed all of these people. Now you see in your listening guide, a denarius was an average day's wage according to Matthew chapter 20, verse two. So 200 denarii would have been approximately 64% of a year's salary. And the disciples, they know they don't have that. They left their jobs to follow Jesus. They left their primary sources of income to travel from village to village and town to town and city to city with him. So they don't have the money. So Jesus says, we'll go and see how many loaves are out there. And John's gospel tells us they come back with a little boy's lunch. And they come back with five pieces of bread five loaves of bread and some fish sticks. <laughs> I wonder if the little boy wanted to give up his lunch. 
I mean, because probably he's like, listen, my mom made me come out here today. Jesus seems great. And the disciples reach for the lunch and he's like, no. And his mom's like, give it to him right now. You're embarrassing me. Just do it. I'll buy you more bread later. Jesus uses human resources. So what he does, when the wedding needed wine, he started with water. And when the people needed fed, he started with five loaves of bread and two fish. And often those human resources that he uses, we consider as nothing that something that he uses, we regard it as nothing. You know the disciples counted it as nothing when they brought that meagly, me, me, uh, meager offering to him. This is, this is all we found. This, this it. To feed 5,000 plus people. This is nothing. And Jesus says, no, it's, it's something. And he multiplies it because we're always doing the math. Just like the disciples, we're always doing the math. Disciples knew uh, A plus B equals C. Uh, Five plus two does not equal 5,000. They had done that algebra. Just like you're doing the algebra. A plus B equals C. Maybe it doesn't compute for you. You plus your boss does not equal happiness. Some of us right now in our marriages are contemplating the math. Husband plus wife does not equal long-term success. Kids plus schooling maybe is not going to be a transformative moment for that child that you're wrestling with right now. Your income plus your expenses is going to equal not what you want it to equal. We're all doing the math. We're all doing the algebra. And in most of our lives, we have all of us one situation right now where the math does not compute. It doesn't. A plus B is not equaling C. Five plus two is not equaling 5,000. But it's not algebra we need to get a hold of. It's geometry. How close can your problem get to Jesus? That math always works. Now, the, the people, they didn't get an appetizer. They didn't get a dessert. They didn't get a glass of wine. They didn't get an after-dinner mint. So maybe it wasn't exactly the way they would have done it if they had done it themselves. But the math worked. That's what prayer is. Prayer is you bringing your problem as close to Jesus as possible. It's saying math doesn't work out in my head, but I'm bringing the two together because I have a shepherd who provides. He leads me to green pastures and still waters, not because he wants me to be relaxed, because he gives me what I need. And the fourth and final thing, he reveals himself as our shepherd. He's compassionate. 
because he lets us know he's the shepherd that we should follow. It says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. Meaning it wasn't just a snack to tide them over until they got home. It wasn't just to satisfy just that pain of hunger by a little time. They had all that they wanted. In verse 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. I wonder how long it took the disciples to figure out 12 baskets left over, 12 of us. And then once they figured that out, I wonder how long it took them to go, I bet Jesus is trying to tell us something. That's the only reason that he worked it out like that. It could have been any number. It could have been nothing. He could have been pinpoint accurate that when the last person was full, there was nothing left over. He could have made it 24 baskets left over. He could have made it 100 baskets left over. He could have fed the entire nation, but he's picked 12 baskets left over. Why? Because he was revealing himself as the compassionate shepherd to those disciples whose math wasn't really working out, who he was trying to train, who he was going to put the hands of the future church, in their hands, the future church. Because he's always revealing himself to us. And this one is subtle. This isn't a billboard. This is who I am. It's more subtle than that. We're always looking for a billboard. We're always looking for God to place a sign in the middle of the road, not even on the side of the road. We want a sign right in the middle of the road to wake us up. God, if if you don't want me to do this, if you don't want me to do this, if you don't want me to do this, stop me, stop me right now. I'm gonna reach for it. Don't, we're always looking for something to stop us, but sometimes he's more subtle about his revelation. Sometimes the sign is on the side of the road. Sometimes it's not a sign at all. It's something a little less obvious. But he will reveal himself as your compassionate shepherd. Because that's what it says in verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. There's a handful of words that are translated compassion in the scripture. But this one is only used for Jesus. Only Jesus used this kind of compassion. Which makes sense because he was the only one who was willing to do for us what no one else would do. John chapter 10, verse 11, he said this about himself. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, sheep are not stuffed animals. Sometimes they're dumb and they walk right off the side of the cliff just because the one in front of them did. Sometimes they smell. When they're not being micromanaged, they just wander off in whatever direction they want to go. They're just sheep. They're just a commodity. But our shepherd says, you are no commodity to me. You're not just another thing that I created. You're not just a number in a big book that I have. Shepherd loves the sheep. Shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. When the choice was the sheep can die or the shepherd can die. The shepherd said, I'll die. Because that's the gospel. 
The gospel is that you and I, we were sheep that would walk off a cliff. We were sheep that roamed in, in any direction that we want to go, constantly led around by our own internal urges and desires. Sinned against God. We walked away and we knew what we were doing. But God loved us and demonstrated his great love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, God's son, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, never roamed away from the will of God, only said the things that God wanted him to say and only did the things that God wanted him to do. Sinless in every way, top to bottom, inside and out. But then offered up that sinless life on the cross next to common criminals. Why? So that your sin and my sin could be forgiven. And nobody killed him. No Roman soldier did the deed. He said in the gospel of John, I have the authority to lay down my own life. No one takes it from me. The shepherd volunteered on your behalf and my behalf. And then he had the authority to pick back up his life. And on the third day, he was resurrected. By his own word, he was resurrected. Then he appeared to many witnesses because there were a lot of rumors going around so that no one would doubt. Then he ascended into heaven. Where now he stands at the right hand of God, living to make intercession for you. You're not just a number in his book. He knows your name. And he constantly speaks up for you in the throne room of heaven. And one day he will return. Romans chapter one says, this is the gospel and the gospel is the power of God for our salvation. Maybe for the first time today, you said, you know, I followed a lot of shepherds in my life, but I see that he is the good shepherd. And for the first time today, you wanna raise your hand and say, I'll follow him. I don't know where he's gonna go. I don't know all the details. I don't have the itinerary but I wanna decide today to follow Jesus. All are welcome. All are welcome into this family of sheep. Not one sheep better than the other, but we have a shepherd who is better than the rest. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep.